Oh, my sainted trousers. It's the Doctor Who podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 339 of the Doctor Who podcast. I'm joined for the first time in quite some time actually. Uh, when did we last speak to each other, Phil? Uh, it would have been at the BFI last weekend actually. <laughs> I know, I remember that. I mean, when did we last record a DWP together? <laughs> It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, do you know what? I, I can't actually remember the last time we did. Just sort of sit down on the DWP and, and just sort of chew the fat, as it were. It seems to happen, what, two, three times a year? It's it's mm. when generally something goes wrong with the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I just give you a, a, a quick call and say, how do you fancy having a, a yabba? It's not actually the reason why we're recording this time around, because we have got a little bit of structure mm-hmm. for you. I'm not sure whether that will reassure or alarm listeners, uh, but we've got a bit of a Ninth Doctor special this time around. We have Ian and Michelle with the latest part of Nine Lives, and then Michelle picks up with Brent and talks about a short trip featuring the Ninth Doctor as well. So lots of Ninth Doctor, which is which is good for me, Phil. I like the Ninth Doctor. Um, <laughs> That's handy. <laughs> especially as he's been in the news quite a bit, or to be more precise, Eccleston has. Yes, he has, hasn't he? I think it was a, um, a con in Australia. Um, he was taking some questions from the audience, and obviously... Uh, the question came about, you know, would he be back for the, the 60th anniversary, which I think at the moment everyone's assuming is going to be a multi-doctor um, extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's maybe not the case, which is another rumour um, we, I think we might, we might come <laughs> on to uh, in, in a moment. Um, but Eccleston, has, he's slightly changed his tune to a certain degree um, because we all know about the big falling out we have with RTD and and the whole production team um, on his time on Doctor Who. So, but this time he says, Ethic reckons that multi-Doctor stories are a cash-in. And he says, if you want me back, get me on my own. Um, he reckons that his Doctor doesn't work with other Doctors. Um, Cobblers. Cobble- yeah. It, <laughs> not that it really matters hugely. I, I think he's just come up with various different ways of saying he's not coming back. Um, and, and there was a question i i can't remember what event it was at but it was at the bfi and eccleston wasn't there and he he'd already submitted something in writing and somebody had asked him beforehand are you going to return yeah and his reply then was i'll I'll return for the hundredth anniversary if joe ahern directs it uh, and again, that's just a kind of witty way of saying no. No, I do. I remember. I remember that actually. Wasn't that one of the BFI events? Did someone read that out? I think it was at the BFI. Yes. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you what event it was. Yeah, I got, yeah. Because I do remember being there when that was read out. Um, actually, mm. the the whole Joe Ahern thing. Because um, I know that's one of the times he did actually enjoy uh, working on um, on Doctor Who was when Joe Ahern was directing. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know, mate. I don't know whether he is softening a little bit. Maybe that the whole big finish thing has sort of changed his stance a little bit. I mean, that was a real coup anyway. Because um, I, I, I certainly didn't think he would he would return to the role of the Doctor at all, actually. And, and now he's attending cons as well and answering questions on that. Maybe enough time has passed for him uh, to a certain degree. I don't know. I, I think there's a difference between changing your attitude towards the franchise and recognising your own part in it. Mm. Uh, I think that's one thing, but I think it's very different from making any kind of firm commitment about a return to the show. And he's always been fairly clear he doesn't want to do that. Um, And again, having read his autobiography, one of the very few um, Who autobios I have read, uh, and I've now seen Eccleston live at a couple of events, it's quite clear that he's, he's one of these actors who likes talking about himself uh, and I don't mean that in a particularly nasty way Colin Baker is another mm. um, you know it's it's always about him um, and certainly the new response that he's come out with or the latest response he's come out with is uh, yeah you know he kind of implies he will come back without all of the other actors who have played the doctor and of course that totally flies in the face of the all of the questions um, because he's being asked those questions about the 60th anniversary by journalists because the whole idea of a multi-doctor story is one that people latch onto. It's newsworthy, mm-hmm. fans get excited about. But my view is at this moment in time, there's absolutely no reason to believe Eccleston will be back in a multi-doctor story uh, at all. Well, no, uh, I think th- I think this leads into the next sort of sixth anniversary rumor that's doing the rounds at the moment is that the the previous doctors will be back, but not together. It appears that they will be in sort of standalone stories because it's. Um, I think RTD's already gone record saying it's not an art sort of sixth anniversary special; it's a sixth anniversary series. Um. And now the rumour is that it's going to be Eccleston, Tennant, Smith and Capaldi all doing their own thing as part of this series. Now, you can take this with a massive pinch of salt. You really can. Um, maybe this has been born out of what Eccleston said about if you want me back, get me on my own. So where we say they're rumours, you know, and I've got no problem talking about rumours because I've, I've heard them. I, I'm just as responsible uh, or just as culpable, if you like, yeah. uh, as any other fan. Uh, uh, in, in enjoying discussing them, but where, where are they coming from? Is there any credible base this time? Um, do you know what? I think it, no. I think it's just one of those TV insider says. It's one of those kind of those kind of rumours. So that's why I'm saying you've got to take it with a massive pinch of salt. You really have to because there's no no one's putting a name to it um, at all. It doesn't appear to come from from what I can see a credible source, but. It's the way it's the nature of the beast. It just picks up traction. All of a sudden, people take it as fact that that's what's happening. Um, it's a nice idea. It's it's certainly different. I I would personally welcome it. Oh well, I think any any kind of um, new Ninth Doctor on TV is something most fans would say yes, please to. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I'm just interested in trying to identify whether this is anything more than conjecture or whether there has been you know, a reason for it, even if it's just a grain of gossip reported by a red top, you know, it's, who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened and and tabloid media has got a pretty good hit rate where it comes to getting rumours or Doctor Who news accurate. So um, we we will find out, I suppose. I suppose, I suppose. (laughs) 
So talking about the 60th anniversary with you, Phil, yeah. uh, reminds me, of course, you know, I, mean, I, I don't think you've heard our predictions show as, as we record. But of course, um, much of the discussion between Ian, Drew and Brent and myself was about what will happen, how it will happen and so on. And I think we've covered pretty much all of it in, in just the first five, <laughs> six minutes on this show. Uh, but uh, but notwithstanding the fact this is no longer a prediction show, uh, I, I didn't want you to miss out. And of course, we, we, we did review your predictions from 2021, but I'm not going to tell you the outcome. <laughs> I'll have to uh, listen. <laughs> uh, no, you'll have to have a listen to find out. But I will ask you, mm. I will ask you, have you got any major prediction that you uh, you, you, uh, you would like to voice and put on records at this point in time? I, do you know what? I, I, I sort of... I sort of think about what, what could I predict for what's going to happen on the show after Jodie Whittaker? And do you know what? I, For once, I'm actually lost for words because I think it's so up in the air now um and i think that's actually quite an ex I, I don't know if it's an exciting thing or or, or a worrying thing really, really not knowing which direction doctor who's going to go in now you know who knows i mean you know it, it, is it going to be a case of um this doctor you know has no tardis is that i, I could say that's a prediction Ooh, cool. and that's, that'll do as a prediction there you are this next doctor will have no tardis yeah is it going to be a complete clean sweep of everything um you know, RTD, he did away with all the baggage of the, the Time Lords and Gallifrey when he first took over back in 2005. Is he going to go that step further? Interesting. Yeah, you're thinking along the same lines as we did. So, uh, it, 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 again, I, I won't uh, go over the old stuff and neither will I enlighten you as to what we thought <laughs> uh, on, on that particular subject. But uh, but certainly, Phil, do get a chance, as well as you listeners, if you haven't had an opportunity yet, do tune in to episode 338 and hear me uh, abused for uh, the best part of an hour by Drew and Ian. <laughs> Brent was very nice to me. But uh, apparently my, my uh, predictions were vague, general, and um, covered practically every possible prediction. <laughs> number nine, number nine, number nine, satellite five. 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 Fantastic! Number nine, number nine, satellite five. Number nine, number nine, number nine, satellite five. Number nine, number nine, Hello listeners and welcome to the penultimate episode of our Nine Lives series where we're looking at the one and only series of Christopher Eccleston starting the modern era of Who. Today we have got to Bad Wolf. You are live on channel 44,000. Please do not swear. You have got to be kidding me. I'm joined once again by Michelle to talk about uh, this particular story. Hi, Michelle. Indeed. Hello, Ian. Hello, listeners. So, Bad Wolf famously 
is the one with the weird pop culture references from yes. particularly British TV shows. And we'll, we'll maybe discuss a bit more about how it's aged. But one question I wanted to ask you as an American who would have watched this back in the day, mm-hmm. how confusing was it to see these references to British TV shows? And, and you know, did it make any sense? Did it throw you back in the day? <laughs> well, I need to put a little context in that... Um, I had been a huge Doctor Who fan back in the 80s when I was in junior high, high school era. Uh, and uh, then I went off to college. Doctor Who went off the air. I grew up, which was probably a mistake, and didn't think about Doctor Who for probably a decade or more. And I stumbled across this Eccleston series, probably on BBC America or something, and it wouldn't have been in 2005. It would have been a couple years after the fact. And I was enthralled. All of the, the, the fandom gene went into overdrive. And I remember getting the, the box set so that I could watch it all because I couldn't wait. Uh, I don't know how often they were showing on, on TV at the time. But um, I distinctly remember a late night on the couch binging this series uh, because I had watched the first few in a normal fashion and then I couldn't stop. I went episode after episode after episode, and this was late at night, and of course, as you say, the penultimate episode. And and I remember two things. One is that just absolutely falling in love with the series again, but the second has to do with all those pop cultural references. That, to me, was the most jarring thing for me as a classic Doctor Who fan. The show always seemed kind of so quaint um, and endearing in a fashion, and then here were these, you know, very modern, very flashy the music that RTD used at various points, and of course, as you say in this one, the, the the shows. I knew The Weakest Link. We had The Weakest Link here in America, I think, fairly quickly after it became a, a phenomenon in, in Britain. And so that show I was very familiar with. I had never seen What Not to Wear. Is that what the show is called? I think so, yes. Trini and Susanna. Yeah, I had never seen whatever that's based on, still haven't, um, but... It wasn't difficult to understand what the, what the context was. And Big Brother had been running here, I think, for a long time as well, although I had never watched the show. But I knew the, knew the premise for that. So it was this unique juxtaposition of feeling strange because the pop culture was so different from Doctor Who as I had first experienced it, but being so absolutely caught up in the story and the characters, both major and minor, that I loved it anyway. So, I mean, the other the criticism that is often leveled at this is that over and above whether a particular audience has seen those shows, it kind of freezes that episode in time because they were big shows then. They're not anymore. I mean, Big Brother, I think, is still airing, but it's on some obscure station and, and no one really watches it. Um, Trini and Susanna vanished into the woodwork years ago. Funny enough, The Weakest Link has just come back in the UK, but with, with a different uh, presenter. But, you know, so it, it, what was sort of the latest pop culture at the time is 15, 16-year-old history now. D- does that detract from the episode, do you think? Not for me. And maybe it's because I was not as connected to the shows the first time I saw it. I don't know. But um, I don't mind it. And I don't mind the idea that these... I can buy the idea that somewhere down in the future, I mean, Doctor Who goes off the air and comes back, why not these game shows? And to me, actually, what felt really timely right now is that I thought about how these reminded me of Squid Game, 
which I also have mm. not seen. Um, and maybe, so maybe there's not as much connection, I think, but, but we still seem to have this fascination with shows about lethal games. Um, and yeah, if you, if you want to take a dark vision of the future, particularly one that is being manipulated by Daleks somehow, I don't have a hard time believing in what the show is asking us to believe in, in terms of a context. So, so no, I, I don't think it's bothers me for how the show has aged. Did it, did it affect you differently? No, that's actually an interesting connection that you make there because I have seen Squid Game and I can absolutely see the similarities that you mentioned. And Squid Game is fairly well known as being a relatively scathing critique of capitalism. You know, everyone fighting this, uh, you know, competition against each other to try and get money. And if you fail, you die. And you can actually almost see the same themes in Bad Wolf if you sort of stop and look at it with that lens. I have to say, watching it again now, and it's not an episode I've really come back to very much. I watched it on broadcast. I think I watched it one other time when I was doing a complete rewatch with my sons. Other than that, it's not an episode I've ever really felt the need to go back to. I was surprised at how good it was. Mm-hmm. And I think it suffers a little bit in the memory from it's got it's got one big association, which is the whole, you know, Big Brother thing. And everyone always remember it as being the Big Brother one, which is actually a relatively small part of, you know, the whole thing doesn't revolve around that. It revolves around the concept of the game station. But, you know, you don't need to be a Big Brother fan. And, you know, Big Brother is not the point of the episode or Trini and Susanna or Weakest Link or whatever. I think it also does slightly suffer that the beginning of the story was two episodes earlier the long game the end of the story is the one after and the parting of the ways so it, it doesn't exist as a story in its own right and I think that combination has led to it kind of falling between the cracks of my memory but when I actually sort of sat down and watched it again yesterday it's actually surprisingly good quality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the atmosphere as they're going around the station figuring things out I really enjoyed it I thought it was a really well put together episode and really showcased all the difference actors and characters and, mm-hmm. and you know blent into their uh, characterizations and surprisingly dark uh this time i've watched it multiple times um not even sure why but uh this time i was struck by just how cutthroat it is in the weakest link and in a lesser degree to big brother but the strategizing to make sure that your teammates die so that you mm. don't I was more tuned into that darkness this time around and and just the horror of what has happened to the controller who is a fascinating character. Uh, But, you know, the the lines about, well, she was installed when she was five. This is the only life she's ever known. And, and, And one of RTD's brilliant strength is his ability to make these minor characters sympathetic in a short period of time and then rise to the occasion so that when she sacrifices herself, you know, she's, she's organized this so meticulously to get the doctor there at the right time. And then once she's done her thing, she's willing to die. But, um, fascinating, just, just, I I find it gripping. Um, and uh, yeah, this is another one that I think improves each time you watch it, which is a testimony. I really enjoyed the controller's character as well. Well realized on screen, well portrayed and yes had a really nice sympathetic line through the story initially sort of weird and creepy and you don't really know what's going on but then you realize actually she was the architect of everything that's happening and she she's the agent that's brought the doctor and the companions into this this is probably peak flirt for captain jack captain jack harkness linda moss nice to meet you linda moss do you mind flirting outside i was just saying hello for you that's flirting I'm not complaining. And and they really did, you know, lean into it hard in this particular episode. I think, 
you know straight out calling him out for his flirting and the whole where did you get that gun from and you know giving Barrowman the opportunity not that he needs much encouragement to, to get naked just stand still and let the defabricator work its magic what's the defabricator okay defabricator does exactly what it says on the tin. Am I naked in front of millions of viewers? Absolutely. Ladies, your viewing figures just went up. Did you feel that that went a bit far or was it a bit OTT or was it just sort of fun? I don't even mind the defabricator sequences. I, I never did like the line about, you know, you don't want to know where I've been hiding this gun. To, to me, that that did cross a line that I don't like crossed in my Doctor Who. Um, but the character... You know, the way he flirted with everybody he, he introduced. Captain Jack Harkness, by the way. I'm Davidge Pavel. Nice to meet you, Davidge Pavel. There's a time and a place. That was sort of a running gag throughout. I mean, it, it even goes into the next, the, the Tenant series. And that part doesn't bother me so much. One of the things I found fascinating is that the doctor is also flirting in this. Uh, and I say that because I reread the shooting script that RTD had written for this because I happened to have been reading the shooting scripts for this this series. And at that point where the doctor and Linda with a Y have just broken out of the game and, and she's asking him, You keep saying things that don't make sense. Who are you though, doctor, really? Doesn't matter. Well, it does to me. I just put my life in your hands. I'm just a traveller wandering past. Believe it or not, all I'm after is a quiet life. So, if we get out of here, what are you going to do? Just wander off again? Fast as I can. So, um, I could come with you. Maybe you could. I wouldn't get in the way. I wouldn't mind if you did. Not a bad idea, Linda with a Y. The script note is that the doctor looks at her, fancying her a bit exclamation point. And so there is even some subtext in there, which knowing that as I watched it through this next time was kind of fun to watch that the doctor, you know, is becoming, can become enchant, not that, not that Rose isn't his first love, as you find out, you know, by the time you get to the climax, but, but Captain Jack isn't the only one flirting in this. Hmm. Interesting. I'd never quite picked up that subtext. Linda with a Y was very clearly being set up as a potential companion hmm. uh, and I, I i remember wondering in, you know because obviously we had the, the the fake out of thinking that rose is dead and whether we think actually this is going to be the replacement companion so my, my thought was that that's why that she was set up that way or alternatively i can't remember what her fate is in the following episode but uh, i can't remember if she gets gets exterminated or not so i'll find out you can't remember i can't remember it's been a while <gasps> And, you know, it, it, there, there is this sort of modern thing where they bring in these sort of pseudo companions yeah. and set them up so they can kill them, so they can get all the dramatic impact of killing a companion without actually killing a companion. And I have a feeling that she was one of the early examples of that. Yeah, not only do they set her up, because that, that sequence I just described leads right into her saying, well, maybe I could travel with you. And the doctor kind of looks at her and said, yeah, well, maybe you could. Um, and then when Rose is disintegrated, 
I was always stunned that that wasn't the cliffhanger right there. I think mm. one of the unexpected turns in this episode is that that it continues from there. And indeed, the cliffhanger they end on is, a, is an even more impressive cliffhanger as you pull back and you see the Dalek fleet for the first time, which, which RTD points out in this book had never been done on screen. You had never had that many Daleks. It, you always knew they existed in your mind, but they had never been shown on screen. And so that really is a breathtaking point. But boy, two really good potential cliffhangers in, in the course of five minutes or so is impressive. And the Daleks coming back was a surprise. I mean, I, I, rem I remember being on Gallifrey Base at the time and I remember we'd seen some, uh, there was a, a recreation of the famous Westminster Bridge shot of Daleks on the cover of the Radio Times. And we noticed that there's a different serial number on each of the Daleks. And at that point, we'd only seen the one Dalek in Daleks. You're thinking, hmm, why have they made more props? So there was a suspicion that something was going to go on, but we didn't know. And I remember being, you know, caught blindsided by a whole fleet of Daleks suddenly appearing and they being the big baddie for the end of the series. That did catch me unawares at the time. So, yeah, that was it was a well-delivered uh, surprise for, for, for the end of the series. And the, the lines, the Doctor's lines in that sequence where, where the Daleks, as they do, say, you know, have to stand down or we'll kill your companion. And, and we all expect the Doctor to do that because that's what the Doctor always does. And so for Eccleston's Doctor to say no. We have your associate. You will obey or she will be exterminated. No. I said no. What is the meaning of this negative? It means no. But she will be destroyed! No! Because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue her. I'm going to save Rose Tyler from the middle of the Dalek fleet. And then I'm going to save the Earth. And then, just to finish off, I'm going to wipe every last stinking Dalek out of the sky! But you have no weapons, no defenses, no plan! Yeah. And doesn't that scare you to death? Rose? Yes, Doctor? I'm coming to get you. The Doctor is initiating hostile action. Boss, Doctor, boss, advance. Begin the invasion of Earth. The Doctor will be exterminated. Exterminate! <laughs> 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 I was... It, beautiful hero moment the way that was all set up there uh, and I again I I'll never forget the experience of being absolutely enthralled by this and having to devour you, you almost can't watch the episodes fast enough to find out what happens in the next one and that the whole episode is a great vehicle for Eccleston to show his acting chops mm -hmm. um, again oddly for a story that people tend to dismiss as just being oh that one with the weird tv shows in it but when, you know, his realisation that people are getting killed, his determination to go and find Rose, his agony when he thinks that she's been killed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then his steely resolve at the end when he's determined, right, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this now. There's a huge gamut of emotions that he goes through, and he plays them also very, very well. This, almost more than any other episode, I think, uh, really demonstrates the power of his acting chops and the shame that we didn't get to see more of it. And indeed, next time we will get to see the ending of that particular era of Christopher Eccleston as we get to the finale of Nine Lives. And we find out, was RTD able to stick the landing? <laughs> and we find out for Ian, does Linda survive or not? <laughs> <laughs>
So see you next time, listeners. Bye-bye. Yeah, so just one more part of Nine Lives to Go on which I will feature once I get around to recording that with Ian. <laughs> Parting of the Ways, uh, I'm very much looking forward to. And uh, it's it's not really a spoiler, but the, the finale of season one, or I think that's what we call it I now. I think so, uh, yeah. Is my favourite, and I don't think it's been surpassed. And uh, it was amazing; thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, to, and to be fair, I mean, listening back to what Ian and Michelle said about um, about Bad Wolf, it is actually a very, very good um, setup for the finale. I feel actually, um, and they're, they're absolutely right about all the the Captain Jack flirting, um, which I, I I I enjoyed at the time. Actually, it was you know it was sort of like sort of slightly that sort of comedic aspect to it and they're right that you know the doctor flirted with linda with a y um as well uh which it was it was good i I really enjoyed it i do think that the slightly it's slightly dated with the whole weakest link and um what not to wear big brother um sort of parodies there as well uh but they managed to make those those game shows incredibly sinister which which it just sort of flips it on its head. So from that aspect, it doesn't really date. I think what dates it is actually getting Anne Robinson, Davina McCall and Trini and Susanna to, to voice, you know, their, their respective robots or AI or whatever they, whatever they might be. I think that, that's, that's what only really dates it because obviously none of those people are presenting um, those shows now. And actually what not to wear is not even a show anymore. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure whether it dates it for anyone other than people who remember it. To be honest, um, if you end up watching it now, having no idea of what those shows or who those individuals, celebrities, mm, former celebrities yeah. were, then actually doesn't impact the story at all because it still works in world. Oh, so it does. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a good story. Uh, I like Bad Wolf. I very much like Eccleston's performance in mm-hmm. it. Um, I I think is a little bit understated. Uh, I do feel sorry a little, a little bit anyway uh, for Ian if he can't remember the fate of Linda with a Y. Get ready, Ian. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> I, I think that was one of the most uh, iconic moments, actually. But, I agree. Uh, I agree. Getting ahead of myself there. So, so let's veer into the world of a big finish, specifically to talk about a range which Phil doesn't like that I think is pretty good most of the time <laughs> called short trips uh, so half an hour little missives uh usually just read aren't they um by someone or other uh, and, and keeping in line with um our ninth doctor theme of this episode uh we're going to take a listen to michelle and brent talk about her own bootstraps which is a ninth doctor short trip uh, written by amy veers and read by jacob and Dudsman. We're in a stable time loop, Althea. A bootstrap paradox. I bury this, you dig it up and take it home with you. Years later, when your lab's on contract with Valentari military unit, I'll steal it and come here to bury it where you'll be waiting to steal it on and on and on and on forever. Several possible questions ran through Althea's brain. What's in the box? Why was I working with mercenaries? Why did you steal it from me? She settled on the question that had been bothering her since they first met. Who are you? I'm the Doctor. Althea recoiled. As in the Time Lord? The last of... Yes, that one. The Doctor quickly interjected, not wishing to dwell on his loneliness. 
This is written by Amy Beerus uh, and stars Jacob Dudman and um, is kind of a, a sweet little half hour story that involves the ninth doctor. Uh, and why don't you explain for the listeners a little bit about the context of this one? Well, it's about a bootstrap paradox, which was explained um, on television in Capaldi's episode, was it uh, Before the Flood, I think, where he addresses the camera. But it's just a paradox where you're, it's a loop that you can't get out of. And in this story in particular, um, the Doctor and a character called Dr. Althea Bryce are locked in a bootstrap paradox where he steals an atmospheric destroyer from her buries it back in 1883 near the Krakatoa volcano where she discovers it and then the loop continues over and over. Over and over. And, you know, the interesting thing, this this was released, oh, I should have looked at the actual date. It was several months ago, if not over a year ago by yeah, it was, now, uh, I'm sure. September 2020. Oh, oh, that year. <laughs> no wonder I can't remember. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody remembers 2020. It didn't happen. Well, um, it, one of the challenging things about the paradox, this particular bootstrap paradox, is that um, without giving away anything, there is a reason that this paradox cannot last forever. Uh, in a sense, time is running out, although the time length is the same in each cycle. But it reminded me of Eve of the Daleks for mm -hmm. that reason, where we were kind of in a loop, but uh, the, the stakes were getting higher and higher, um, but with a slightly different take on it. So, so her own bootstraps uh, hit that storyline ahead of time short trips are hit and miss for me because i'm not big on the narration type of you know i like the uh, full cast audios better but I, I really enjoyed this and um one of the the other character in here um is as we said dr althea bryce and to me she felt like very much an evil version of river song because she's, yeah, yeah. she's a scientist, she's a time traveler, she has a vortex manipulator, she's spunky. <laughs> uh, but somewhere along the way she changes and eventually becomes an evil person who destroys entire planets with this um, device, this atmospheric destroyer. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the dilemmas here is that as a part of this paradox, the doctor encounters her before she has done all that. Uh, and, and so therein lies the interesting conversations between, between the two characters. And you mentioned not being as excited about the short trips because of the narration. I realize that this one feels very much like a two-hander to me. It does, yeah. But it's all Jacob Dudman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it really did feel like a conversation, even though there's obviously narration in there as well but uh, both characters kind of felt fully fleshed and he does an amazing ninth doctor among other doctors um he, he does a really impressive job um as the ninth doctor i i had read before i think this is the first time i've heard him as the ninth doctor i've heard him do matt smith before and uh peter capaldi and um but this is the first time I've heard him do Eccleston. And I read that he didn't sound too much like him, but I thought he did excellent. He sounded just like him to me. And <laughs> and he's really a good actor, too. I think that's how he really um, he held it together with two different characters. And it was really believable because he, he's, a, he's a good actor. Yeah, maybe it's our American ears 
Brent. But... It could be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was fully convinced that it was the Ninth Doctor. The Doctor grimaced as he stared down a younger version of the scientist he'd stolen the atmosphere destroyer from. Dr. Althea Bryce at your service. And who are you? The younger Althea inquired playfully. Nope. Absolutely not. I'm not taking part in this. Thank you. Goodbye. One of my favorite ranges of all times was the Companion Chronicles. So I do tend to really like these narrowed stories where you can be a little more intimate and, and a little more relational with the characters when there's just one or two characters. Um, and so I do, you know, I like, you, you'll find some real gems in the short trips. This one for me was kind of average, which mm -hmm. is not not a negative thing because average at Big Finish is really quite good and enjoyable. Um, I didn't find this, it's very listenable, but I didn't find it a, a standout for me. It's not one that I would probably intentionally go back and seek out. What would you think? I really liked it. Um, and I liked that, not giving anything away, but that it's sort of that the doctor has to change a bit to get out of this loop. He has to trust mm. somebody that he does not trust mm. to make it work. And uh, I like that. That was uh, was a bit different. You know, I imagine that would be, now that you mention it, see, now I want to go back and listen to it from that frame of mind. <laughs> you, may have, <laughs> you, you may have heard more than I did. Uh, but this doctor in particular, being still fairly scarred from the, the time war, mm -hmm. is an interesting one to pose that dilemma to, where you have to trust somebody, somebody you know has done wrong things, Uh yeah, that's a, that's a good point, listeners. If you if you take the time to listen to this, which I recommend, you gotta gotta think about it from that frame. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy this one. So uh... I think James must have too, because he first told me about this one a long time ago, and I remember listening to it then. And months have gone by, and here all of a sudden he's he's you know bringing it up again, and so clearly this one has stuck out in his mind and and, and stuck out for him. Uh, James, if you are there in the camper van, maybe you can add in a few of your own comments after this. Absolutely. Yes, thanks, Michelle and Brent. Yes, that's all led on to, because you, you introduced them to this story, I understand, uh, from, from that end of the conversation there, uh, James. So um, what, what is it you, you liked in particular that sort of like, you, you guys, you've got to review this? <laughs> Nothing is... Um monumental as Michelle or indeed you now have just uh, implied but <laughs> it was purely that purely the fact that when I listened to this I think there were only about three Ninth Doctor short trips they steered clear of Ninth Doctor probably for licensing reasons for, for, for years yeah um, not just in the short trips range but for other you know other ranges as well yeah and this was only the third or fourth time uh, they had someone who had actually had an attempt to sound like the Ninth Doctor. Mm. Nicholas Briggs had done it a couple of That's times. That's right, um, yeah. And, and I was just, you know, desperate, really, for more Ninth Doctor stories. And this was one that was written by someone I'd not heard of before. And uh, I don't know whether Amy Veers has written anything else since, but I will definitely go and find out now. And this, this is brilliant. It's Ninth Doctor... And the central premise is all around time travel, and in particular, a paradox, mm. which just is right up my street. So whilst I didn't think it was, you know, 
so fantastic they must review it uh, it was always on my list um i've listened to it on two or three occasions and i've enjoyed it every time it is a little over half an hour in duration so phil you never know you might be able to uh, maintain a- <laughs> enough attention to listen well, to this I, I was i was kind of with, with brent on that because brent's got the same attitude to him as me he prefers the full cast audios um yeah so he, he's not a fan of these either I think this one sort of maybe sort of might have changed his mind slightly there actually. So there are some brilliant ones yeah. in there, Phil. And I, you know, people draw this distinction between forecast and short trips, or you know, just a companion chronicle or a single mm. reader. It it really is still the story that re- shapes what I think of the play yeah. more than anything. Yeah, and and this is a good story. And actually, uh, judging by some of the views you've mentioned uh, when we've reviewed audios and stories in the past I get the feeling this would be right up your street um, so you never know I won't enforce it because I don't think I could so don't don't worry but I would recommend <laughs> I would recommend you take a listen to it but yeah there, there are times also when I'm, I'm a very selfish podcaster and uh, if I want to know what somebody else thinks of a play that I've listened to I'll throw it over to Michelle and say <laughs> come on in produce something for me and I have my own personal podcast there you see ah see I'll have to, I'll have to catch on to that one actually <laughs> it's not completely true but I like the sound of it. <laughs> but uh, but brilliant um thank you Brent thank you Michelle and thank you Ian uh, for nine lives earlier as well and uh, I, I think that wraps up this episode of the Doctor Who podcast for the time being Phil yep. uh, again nothing really monumental has happened in the world of Who as at this moment in time so bearing in mind this isn't going online for a couple of weeks uh, I strongly suspect the new Doctor will be announced <laughs> now yeah that would be about right wouldn't it yeah so we do a little a newsy newsy style uh, podcast and uh, yeah the new Doctor will be announced but uh, well Stranger things have happened, but if if uh, if that does happen, we we shall all be getting together, no doubt, to discuss it. Oh yes. oh yes, we'll be back to talk about that. That's something that's simply t- too difficult not to discuss. So we will be back with episode three hundred and forty next month, if not before. Quite what it will contain, it's a mystery at the moment. Oh well, I like mysteries. <laughs> Anything that you're itching to discuss, Phil? Any big finish you listened to recently? Um, well, actually, I, I have listened to some big finish recently, but it's actually for my other podcast, which was Blood Tired. Oh, yes. Yes. And, yes. and what what did you think of that then? Give us a spoiler to the Who's Here review. Right, okay. I actually rather enjoyed it. Um, I, I felt it sort of retread old ground to a certain degree with, with the with the um, the Silurians' Pertwee story. It's a it's a it's a sixth doctor. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Sixth doctor, Silurians, Evelyn Smythe, Charles, Charles Darwin. Darwin. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a very very good story. It's a very good story. Um, mm. But I just think it's it, certain aspects. It, it sort of went over things that have been done before, um, particularly with with the Silurians' plan. Doctor Who going over stuff it's done before. Uh, never, never, never. Never. But uh, but no. Um, Evelyn Smythe is one of my favourite Big Finish companions, if not my, my all-time favourite Big Finish companion. So I think anything with um, with that character, Maggie Stables, in it is a, an, a winner for me, straight off the bat, really is. Yeah. There's very, very few stories with Evelyn in it which aren't very good, to be honest with you. There's always something there. And um, 
she worked brilliantly with uh, with Colin Baker. But uh, but on that note, uh, have a little infomercial for Who's He podcast there. There we go. If you want to hear Phil talk about Blood Tide in more detail, then you can... Um, well, I'm not going to give you the URL. You can find go it yourself. Go Google it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, by all means, uh, let us know what you, uh, what you think of anything uh, that we've covered in this podcast, Blood Tide included. Feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com is the email address you need and if you want to contact us on twitter it is at the dr who podcast and you can search for us on the facebook which i am reliably informed on a regular basis is for old people is it i thought emails for old people is it facebook for old people as well now Everything I do is now for old people, Phil, it would appear. What have we got? Have we got advertisements on TikTok now or something? Or I'm not even going to say that word or those two <laughs> words together. So, Phil, listeners, wonderful to speak to you both. Join us again very soon. Bye for now, everyone. Bye for now. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care. I'll let you. I'll let you come out. Oh, thank you very much. Oh no! Hang on, it's me. Didn't she say? Yeah, she, actually, you, I'll, lead, yes. I'll lead into you. I'll lead into you. So, yeah, okay. go for it. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, uh, um, Michelle and. Uh, oh, so was it Michelle and? Oh, was it Brent or Drew? I can't Brent. remember now. Brent. Brent. It was Brent. You wasn't can't it? call them Brent. They're not Ent or Deck. Let me do that again. There's a wonderful, there's a wonderful little line in Love Actually where Bill Nye is actually in with um, Ant and Deck. Have you oh, seen I have that? so a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, it's well, it's, it's a standout line for me where one of them asks him a question and he goes, "Well, that's a very interesting question, Ant or Deck." So long as you're not referring to Drew and uh, Drew or Brent, Brent yeah. in that way, <laughs> I think it's fine. Right. Let's do that again. Yes. Thanks, uh, Michelle and Brent. Um,